I want to just point out to you is what I'm about to do, which is gently, I'm having a little bit of a hard time identifying a single question that I can deal with because I hear you having a lot of questions and I want to do all of them. Please believe me. I love it. But I need to know what's the most pressing question about the truth of the Bible that you're trying to say to me. Is it that a lot of people who call themselves Christians have different opinions on elements of that faith? Or is it people who call themselves Christians have different interpretations of the Bible? This is Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and this week we continue expanding our apologetics toolbox as we start to wrap up our multi-series focus on the book, Searching for God. This episode is part of a series. You can get the rest of the episodes, learn more about the guests in this series, about the resources we provide, and the larger work that we are doing all at studywithfriends.org. So last time we met, we talked about a bunch of things. I would normally see how that went and like where we are, like where's our new footing. Um, Give my friend a chance to share with me if anything was persuasive. I'm going to move past that because I really do want to deal with the relativism that came up in the last conversation. So to recap that, um, you asked me, how can I believe that the world was created in seven days when science basically disproves that? We talked a little bit about science and uh, we talked about the Bible and what seven days really means or potentially means and how I believe that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. But I can see where you kind of pressed me on, well, if the Bible says in one place a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, but then in another place it says on the first day God created a whole bunch of stuff, how do I reconcile that? And I dropped a bit of a bomb by saying I don't believe that The Bible is always entirely literal, which is crazy talk, right? From a Christian, like I think a lot of people think that every Christian believes that the Bible is actually like a history book when actually pretty much every biblical scholar would tell you that the Bible contains several different kinds of writings, prophetic, apocryphal is a fancy word, um, poetic. So the Psalms are, are poetic and Song of Solomon is poetry wisdom books like proverbs so not all of the bible is intended to be read like a history book and so that's how i explain that the bible is filled with truth like i really believe that there's wisdom and raise your children up in the way that they should go and when they're old they won't depart from it that's not really a promise it's not a transaction it's not god saying i guarantee you that if you raise your kids in church they will stay christians forever it's wisdom saying do the work as a parent and it will yield fruit in your children. And so that's how I can say to you that I don't believe that the entire Bible is literal because it isn't. It's poetry. Some of it's history. It is historical truth. A great example is um, in the Old Testament, the Hittites. For a long, long time, there was no archaeological record of the Hittites. And people used that as an argument against the truth of the Bible. And then lo and behold, the Hittite culture was discovered in the archaeological record. And I just love to watch that happen. I believe it will always happen just because it hasn't happened in every way that people wish it had yet. Well, that's up to God when he reveals that. But I love when he's already done that. Like the Dead Sea Scrolls are another great example. And so it is a history account, but it's also poetry. 
and prophecy and wisdom. And so that's what I mean when I say that the entire Bible is not always exactly the literal thing that we would read it as if we were reading a textbook. It's not a textbook. It is the story of God and his people, and it's the story revealed by him and the way he wants us to receive it. And so without faith, people who don't believe are going to have a hard time reading it because he's revealing it in the context of relationship with us. So I get that people have a lot of questions about the way something is worded in the Bible. And I've shared those questions. But when you take the time and do the work, you can see how it actually all holds together really, really well. So it's just basically open for interpretation. What do you mean by that question? So there's a lot of people who consider themselves to be religious, you know, this and this person might read this passage to say one thing, but then, and they're all, you know, people of, of the Bible um, where, you know, this pastor says it means this and this priest says it means mm-hmm. this and, and this is the body and blood of Christ, but this is symbolic or yeah. this happened this way, but no revelation is going to happen this way. And you can go on and on and on about how all these different people who are some Christians or whatever their belief system is. Mm-hmm going off the same book that's a bunch of stories from a bunch of men that wrote it let's face it you know everyone men that wrote it right mm-hmm. interpreted through the years different people different dialects everything else so basically you're saying that you're you are reading it and being inspired to feel it means one thing but then someone else who went to how many years of of school for you know theology and everything but they're reading it a totally different way so it's you know it's fine. It's whatever you want to make of it, basically. It's whatever you interpret from it. I think that's a reasonable question. I know that that question is useful if you respectfully want to make light of the Bible. I'm not sure if that's what you're trying to do or are you trying to really understand why different people have strongly held but vastly different interpretations of the Bible? I'm trying to understand how one person is interpreting what the Bible says Mm -hmm. in one way, and they believe in the Bible, Mm -hmm. and they believe in God. And another person who believes in the Bible and believes in God is interpreting it in a completely different way. Both of them are believers of Christ and believers of God, and Mm -hmm. both of them have two completely different interpretations of what the same book in the Bible means. Mm -hmm. Same story of the Bible. Okay, so when you say story, do you mean the whole book? No, like, you know, pick any of them. You can pick pick Revelations if you want. Pick any of them. Like, Would you like me to pick Revelations? No. Okay. (laughs) This is going to be way too long of a show. (laughs) So which, I'm going to do something here. It's it's gentle, but it's necessary. Because she just machine gun fired a bunch of sound bites mm-hmm. at me. And I'm not going to allow that to cause me to feel defensive. I'm going to point out that she that's what she's doing gently. But I'm going to make her zero in on something. Because she's all over the place. I love you. And I know this is how these conversations mm-hmm. go. And so I'm not saying it about you. I'm saying this is how these conversations no, this go. This is how they go. There's, yeah. there's no so question. So what I want to just point out to you is what I'm about to do, which is gently. I'm having a little bit of a hard time identifying a single question that I can deal with. Because I hear you having a lot of questions. And I want to do all of them. Please believe me. I love it. But I need to know... What's the most pressing question about the truth of the Bible that you're trying to say to me? Is it that a lot of people who call themselves Christians have different opinions on elements of that faith? Or is it people who call themselves Christians have different interpretations of the Bible? So 
in hearing what you said before about someone who doesn't necessarily believe to them it's you can see how you know they don't some is wisdom some is poetry some is history so they're not it's not God speaking to them necessarily and them understanding it in the same way as someone else like you who Mm -hmm. is very relational with with God and and God is revealing himself to you through this book. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people like you who have this relationship with God, who are calling themselves, you know, Christians or following whatever mm-hmm. they, they follow and they believe, yet they sit up on Sunday and they preach from the same book and they're saying two different messages. Mm-hmm. So how is someone like myself who is, is skeptical about the whole yeah. God and Jesus thing. Yeah. How am I supposed to make sense of you're all reading the same book and you're all saying that you believe in the same thing, but this man who is basically saying that he's here to deliver the word of God to, you know, and preach the word of God. No, 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 no. Like oh, the priest okay. standing okay. up there mm-hmm. on a Sunday mm-hmm. or the pastor that's standing up here who are both supposed to be their calling is to share the word of God. Mm-hmm. But they're sharing two different words out of the same exact book. Okay. So how is me as someone who is trying to yeah. grapple with this and trying to figure out what I believe? Mm-hmm. No. What? Perfect. Who to listen to? Thank you for clarifying that. My pleasure. I love that you just said you're trying to figure out what you believe. That changes how I answer your question entirely. Okay. So. I can't make a general statement, but what I would love to do is for you to show me two examples. This this person said this, and this person said this, and let's you and I crack open the Bible and figure it out. I mean, I can't make a general statement. You're you're being too general with like some people say this and some people say this, but you haven't even said anything that they say. So if you give me an example of some Christians believe this and some Christians believe that, I could totally do that with you. I could even give you an example if you want give me an to kind of play with it and show you how that works out in the context of the bigger faith if you well, want. Or you could bring an example. Well, let me, I'll do it then. Let, let me do it. This is going to take it a little bit of a, I don't know, we'll see. But how about two different um, branches of, of Christianity, of a religion, believing two different things, let's say, where we talk about like, Baptism as a baby versus baptism as not even necessarily needing to get dunked or, or like mm-hmm. the sacraments, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's talk about mm-hmm. why some believe that you should sit in a box and you should tell a person your sins where mm-hmm. others believe that you don't, you're confessing your sins to God and you don't need to have a traditional confession. Like those, those types of things. Let's yeah. grapple with that. Okay, let's. And then I'm going to share with you a different example because I think it's going to be helpful in both of these ways. If that's okay. I love it. So first of all, I need to tell you, what you're asking me is to be a theological PhD, which I am not. That What I mean by that is you're asking me to give you the justification for different systematic theologies, which comes from a deep level of understanding those systematic theologies. So we have the Catholic Systematic theology, which, by the way, also has Roman Catholic, Orthodox. There are lots of systematic theologies in both Catholicism and Protestantism. I happen to hold to Reformed theology. That's my system of theology. Let me back up. 
what is a system of theology? It's really the best understanding of a lot of people over a long, long time. In fact, it's called historical theology. It's this big. It's a textbook. Um, and it just helps me to understand why I believe what I believe, not just in the was Jesus crucified? Did he raise from the dead? Like the basics of Christianity, but what you're talking about, which is like, what's the deal with the sacraments? What's the deal with baptism? Dunk or sprinkle? When you're really ready to enter into, like, I want to deepen what I understand about my faith, you've got to first sort of stick your flag in one of the theology, you know, systems of theology. And at least, I mean, a good place to start is like wherever you're going to church, figure out what theirs is. A lot of people don't even know especially Protestants. Sorry, Protestants, love you. I am one. But a lot of times you sit in a church and you don't know. I mean, that's normal. You're going to not necessarily be like, wait a minute, what's the systematic, especially if you're brand new, you might not be like, wait a minute, what's the systematic theology of this particular denomination? Uh, Although, thank God for the internet, because you can find out. But what you're asking me to do is defend a systematic theology that I haven't studied and adopted. I can defend Reformed theology-ish. I'm, I'm still not a super expert, but what I would love, because, you know, I'm a super curious person too. And so I wonder if we could like maybe go meet with a priest and ask them, like explain this and like, let's go together because I'm super curious too. And then maybe you and I can go to a pastor in my denomination or my pastor and say, okay, here's what we learned over here. What do you, what say you? <laughs> and and we can we can uncover that together but i gotta tell you that's pretty exciting that you're interested in doing that because that's a deep deep dive and it seems like then you've gone right past like did christ raise from the dead which is the fundamental which i love so we're basically on the same page which i'm really excited about <laughs> or are we not here yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what you, you you're you're i'm gonna bring her back to the resurrection remember at the beginning we talked about that as like, that's the most important part of our faith. And anytime we, anytime we talk about interpretations, and by the way, I was going to go into young earth, old earth, because that's a, that's a big debate <laughs> among evangelical Christians. There are lots of intelligent people who believe young earth, and there are lots of intelligent people who believe old earth. And any of those, any of those, like you name it, pepper out whatever interpretive biblical disagreements a person might come to which is in the family of relativism were you with me on that Mm -hmm. one so it's about like is there absolute truth because what she's saying is there can't be if people interpret it different ways it can't be that that there's absolute truth although i'm going to come back to that in just a minute too it's all relativism and so then what we have to do is come back to absolute truth what we believe and she she went into the bible by the way you notice she took me into the Bible. I did not wrench her into the Bible. She was like, well, some people do this with the Bible. Some people do that. And I, I did a little bit of work in it's going to be really hard for someone who chooses not to believe the Bible to properly interpret the Bible. I didn't say it that pointedly, but I said it. Um, I hope I said it gently. I'm not always the best at that. that by the way, that's my that's my weakness because I'm, I'm a pretty combative person and I can be really, I can be snarky. So I, (laughs) so I have, that's the part I really have to work on for me. That's where I fall down is just, just running up to that line and being, putting my boxing gloves on and be like, let's do this, you know, (laughs) because that's my personality. And so I have, for me, the thing is I have to remember the relational. So I I will do a caveat that I may not always during these workshops do the very best, but I hope I'm giving you a foundation of where you want to go. What I did was I just peppered in. It's hard for people to understand the Bible if 
they choose not to believe that it's true. But what I also said was the Bible holds prophecy, wisdom, history, poetry. Nobody disagrees with that. No Christian disagrees with that. No matter who your theology, what your theology is, you don't really argue with the fact that there's poetry and prophecy Mm -hmm. and wisdom and history. What you argue about is which passages fall into which categories. And so starting by saying not everything is completely literal really puts people on the back foot because I think that Christianity and the public perception of Christianity is that every Christian thinks that every word is literal historical Mm -hmm. truth. And so opening up the mind of your conversational partner to help them understand the whole of the Bible is really useful, and you can come back to that later as a touchstone because I would have probably worked in with her the places where Christians find common ground and not disagreement. And that's what I started to build the foundation on, which was, okay, this person might interpret this this way or this this way, but we all agree that the the Bible holds wisdom and prophecy and poetry and history and and revelation about who God is and who we are. And so uh, I just kind of built a foundation there because I'm making an assumption this person really doesn't understand the Bible very well. And I'd have to say that a lot of people in the pews might not even be able to discern Mm -hmm. and say, the Bible contains different genres of writing. Although we in theory understand that because we've talked about prophecy and we read, we, some of us read the Psalms every week. Those are songs, they're poetry, mm-hmm. they're uh, lyricism. Uh, it's a genre. And so it's worship, but it's a genre of art. You know. Okay, so as you can see, we've only done one, one question, one conversation, and it can go a million different directions. So is there anything I left too loose-ended? I can't do everything and button it all and t- tie it all up, but it, is there anything I left too loose-ended? I didn't want to leave the matzo ball of the Bible's not entirely literal without defining that better, but is there anything else that came up in Andrea's question that was too loose-ended that we should not leave it lie? I know, I see your face and I see your countenance. You have other things you want to ask. No, I was just going to say what I liked about it is that you actually didn't answer it necessarily Um, at all, which is good because it's showing us that we don't need to necessarily answer it, but rather you found a common ground and a place to go next Mm -hmm. and how and where to take it as opposed to you, Holly, knowing all the answers or being able to quote a scripture to go with every single thing or being able to know every answer yeah Yeah, so that's what I appreciated about it okay good because I don't and listen you could you could say okay if you don't want to meet with pastors and priests like bring me some YouTube clips right let's do it send them to me Mm -hmm. and that keeps the conversation going and it deepens my faith because if she's going to send me two YouTube clips and I'm not already prepared how to deal with the discrepancy and the interpretation then I got to go do the work right and I have a deeper faith and I have more tools in my toolbox. And it's all good. It's all good. Even if that person is never convinced, I've deepened my faith. That's a good thing. Okay. You are on a break. <laughs> Somebody else. <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> I feel like I have a doozy of a, a question. Oh, really? That wasn't? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't know how exactly to, like, phrase it because I just put, like, the statement here. But, um kind of like all Christians are like homophobic and racist and sexist and like all that stuff is God like the same way and then there's like little questions that come with that mm. but okay great fun so I, I just want to call out first I love you I'm glad you're doing this and say to the listeners viewers whatever's and us around this 
table something that I said in an earlier episode. Caitlin, who's like a third daughter to me, um, one of like several <laughs> third daughters, <laughs> all tribe. We have a tribe of uh, I'm blessed to have kids who I love deeply. Gen Z. And this isn't always true, and we should not use it as a rule but we could use it as a scaffolding. One of the things in your our toolbox, potentially, is an observation of the generation of the person who we are talking to. It may, not always, it won't always, but it may give you a roadmap to the types of questions that they have about Christianity. For the most part, Gen X and older, sorry, Gen X, yeah. Gen X and older are bootstraps people. They are earn your way to it, pick yourself up, shake it off, self-sufficient. So they reject the need for a savior. I got this. Okay. Just a tiny, like sketched in pencil, not sharpie bit of a roadmap for your generational conversations. Millennials and Gen Z actually are often millennials kind of sit in the middle right so because we know so they could adopt that bootstrappy thing depending on how they were raised or they could be more gen z in the fact that studies indicate i'm not just making this up but studies indicate that gen z actually does not have a problem with the need for a savior like they recognize the world as a hot mess so that is not their problem they have a problem with biblical ethics how does a loving god blank and so just Keep that in the back of your mind as a roadmap for conversation because you don't want to come into an on-ramp of a highway that they're like not even on. You know, like I'm not going to start talking to Caitlin. I'm not, I'm going to make, I'm going to ask some questions. Like we keep learning, ask questions, ask questions uh, that help me to uncover whether that's true about the person that I'm talking to. Like my father my uncle, who was the scientist, these guys, my, my whole, my father's whole family, man, they're bootstrappers. And they are just super resistant to anything that is not self. Self-made, self-sufficient, right? That is not this generation. Mm -mm. This generation is like, we are all a mess. They're super in touch with it. And so the idea of a savior is appealing. The problem that blocks them is how do I allow myself to be saved by this loving God and then turn around and display hate towards some, yeah. That's how they see it. We got to sort that out with them because that's obviously not biblically accurate. But you know, on the surface, it is a disconnect. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to call that out because these are the... I have a lot of, I'm blessed to have these conversations with a whole host of different people. And I can tell you without fail, that's been my experience. And again, I'm not saying that that's the experience that has no exception. It's not. Each person is an individual. And it, depending on how you were raised and your own life experience, you bring whatever you bring to the table. I just wanted to say that as a little bit of a, like I said, something to keep in mind. Okay, so most of the time you're going to know the person you're talking to pretty well, but like this is a bootstrapper or this is a biblical ethics problem. She nailed it. This program is produced by Study With Friends. Learn more about us at studywithfriends.org. 
and sign up there for email devotionals or download our Bible studies for free. If you are blessed by our work, please consider supporting our ministry with a donation. We believe in the local church. Please find a congregation where you can plug in and experience all aspects of the Christian life. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time when we study with friends.